Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Must Have Seen TV listeners. This is your host, Brett White, and I just wanted to hop on before the episode started this week and go through a few bits of business with all of you. If you're not already, you can go on and follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at MustHaveSeenTV. And you can also rate and review the episode in iTunes, which really, really helps this show out to find new listeners and do all the other magical things that iTunes does behind the curtains that we don't talk about, we don't look at. We don't question iTunes. (laughs) And make sure you listen all the way through to the end of the episode for a clue as to what show we're watching next week. And it's more than a clue. It's actually me saying the name of the episode that we are watching next week. Enjoy this week's episode. Stargate Defenders, it's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to, appropriately, News Radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White, and this week I'm joined by Curtis Rutherford. Hello, Curtis. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, excited to be in my haven, my office. <laughs> As always, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surrounded by a million uh, different action figures and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've started a sitcom corner. Oh, that's my, good. my office. Every time, because I'm trying, every, I'm trying to be like every time I finish watching a complete series, I don't yeah. kind of want to buy a memento from it. Yeah. Which is why I have a Bob Newhart eight by ten, and then my husband got me a signed moose as Eddie that's, Frazier eight by ten. Yeah, that's really good. Just signed with his little paw print. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like right now, I'm working my way through news radio, which is appropriate because that's what we're talking about today. So, I'm trying to think of like what news radio thing am I gonna get. When I finish it. You could get the uh, weird uh, trapezoid table that they all sit around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird, it's like a weird, it's like a bowling lane, like pylons. It's like a weird. But they did this weird forced perspective thing to make everybody sit so that you could see them all in the shot. They're like cheating out. Yes, exactly. But then rather than. It's a cheat out table. It's so weird, yes. And I don't think I realized the first, when I originally watched it, how weird it is. But then I think knowing it. And this episode, yeah. I think it's in the second season where they get it, maybe? Yeah. I forget, but... Like, it changes. Apparently it changes a couple times, because one of the... Right, Paul Sands or someone might have... It's like, I yeah. have the table. I yeah. have one of the conference room tables. Uh, yeah, so this week on the show, we are traveling to October 23rd, 1996. The movie Sleepers ruled the box office. Macarena by Los Del Rio topped the charts. So compare and contrast that. <laughs> yeah. And News Radio aired Arcade. Curtis, you must have seen Arcade before. Yes. Yeah. Several times. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I, when I announced I was going to do this podcast, News Radio was, I guess it kind of shows you the type of circles I run in. Yes. And that News Radio was the one that multiple people were like, I got to talk about News Radio. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I feel like in other social circles, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's very specific. I have a lot of, like, white comedy writers, male comedy writers in their early to mid-30s. <laughs> that's... And it very much, like, news radio, both because it was a sitcom, it was like an NBC sitcom at the height of that NBC sitcom yeah. era. It was the kind of, the other one, it was like it was the, always, it's perpetual, it was the, the kinks of, like, the Beatles, Rolling oh, yeah. Stones era of, like, this is the one we're gonna get into. Yeah. And also, it just has that, for me, it was like, oh, I loved Phil Hartman from SNL, I loved Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. Yeah. And all these, like, stand-ups that I knew, like, uh, Andy Dick mm-hmm. and Joe Rogan, like that. 
So it just like when it came on, it hit a lot of overlapping oh, yeah. uh, circles for what I love. <laughs> so did you watch it like episode one or like early like, season one, season two? Early I'm on? pretty sure episode one. Yeah. Oh wow! I remember getting very into it very quick. So you were there for the hype, like that yes. mid season hype got you. <laughs> And then, like, I do remember following it around. Like, I think it was that and Sports Night that I remember being very aware of how much networks were fucking them yeah. over. <laughs> so, like, when people say to me, I don't know anything about news radio, can you just tell me something about it? My shorthand way of explaining to them is, like, there is a subcategory on their Wikipedia page that is just titled Relationship with Network. Yeah. Like, that alone tells you that it's a... Weird show that had a very, very weird relationship with NBC, which I feel like is one of the most fun things about this show. Yeah. Is all the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I also came to this show live when it aired. I remember, I feel like I probably started watching it season two or Mm -hmm. three. I mean, I was hyper aware of NBC at that time because I I remember watching Friends debut and ER. Like those changed the way I viewed television. And so, you know, a year later when uh, News Radio debuted, like, mid-season, yeah. I definitely would, probably was aware of it. And I do remember it was one of the shows my parents did not watch. Like, I watched oh. Friends and Seinfeld and ER and stuff with my mom and dad. News Radio was a thing that I discovered on my own. So it, it has that same feeling as, like, Talk Soup and Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and, right. Like, all those specific shows that, you know, middle school me was like, oh, this is weird and yeah. funny. Uh, I, yeah, I watched all of the NBC shows pretty regularly. Like, Wings, it was... You get on that I Wings watched train. Wings. Yeah, Wings I watched on that and in syndication. And since we moved around a lot, often whatever was syndicated is what I saw yeah. especially a lot. Because... <laughs> Oh, what was on the Armed Forces Network in Germany? For some reason, the military decided, like, people would love wings. They would love... Yeah, planes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was like <laughs> we, whatever weird sitcom in addition to that. I know, and news radio, I feel like a lot of people discovered it. Because when I was in college, it started being re-ran on A&E. Uh-huh. And that's where a lot of my college friends discovered it for the first time. So it had like, even though it like it only hit ninety seven or ninety eight episodes, yeah. so it didn't even hit. It never. It's also beautiful. It's like it ran five seasons, but still didn't hit that, that syndication one hundred mark. Yeah. It's very news radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the news radio episode Arcade. It's the fourth episode of season three. It was written by Brian Kelly and directed by Tom Sharones. Uh, here's how iTunes describes the episode. Dave's old nemesis comes back to haunt him when when Beth replaces the lobby sandwich machine with a popular 1980s arcade game. Lisa retakes her college entrance exams to see if her mind is slipping. Curtis, is that accurate? I mean, yeah. that's an accurate... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is pretty much what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is... You suggested you wanted to do the Bill Eats Old Sandwiches episode. Yeah. And I was surprised to learn that the A-plot of that episode is the arcade game. Yeah. Which is one of the iconic news radio episodes. <laughs> I feel like both of those plots are pretty iconic news radio plots. And, and the, the reason I picked this one is, I feel their news radio is one of those shows where when you bring it up to somebody, they have their favorite episode that they can like right away, or they have their favorite like plot. Yeah, not even episode wise. And for some reason, this one jumped into my head because I remember my freshman year of college. I was talking about news radio with a friend of mine who I had a huge crush on, and she instantly said, like, oh, the episode where Bill eats sandwiches. <laughs> and we both, like, then described to each other excitedly. They in are way. gross sandwiches. They're green and dusty, and, <laughs> yes. and they also have an artificial crunch to them that's definitely yes. added in in full. Definitely a full <laughs> It's very, yeah. very fake-sounding, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, the episode starts with all of them gathered around at that weird... The weird oddly table. shaped yeah. conference table and Dave pulling uh, suggestions out of the budget cutter of the month award <laughs> where they all make suggestions. Which really feels like the A plot uh, initiation box. Yeah. It's like, it's such a perfect way of just kind of like A plot this, B plot this. We've got this. Exactly. Yeah. What's even, does it even speak largely to the plot, the way the episode is structured? There is an A, B, and C. Like mm-hmm. A is the arcade game, B is Lisa. Or is the A and Lisa taking the SATs again? I would say like B or C is Lisa. And then C or is Belle eating the sandwich? Like yeah. they're all three. And the fact that they are all initiated, uh, two of them are initiated at the top with the with the budget cutter of the month award yeah. thing because Beth's idea of like, let's get rid of that sandwich machine kicks off 
Bill's plot, uh-huh. but they replace it with the arcade, which kicks off Dave's plot. And then yeah. Dave's plot inter- dovetails with Lisa's plot because he gets too wound up playing the game and over doesn't sleep and takes the essay. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's very efficient plotting in terms of how those three stories connect very well. It doesn't feel like they were just, like, taped together, like, oh, we took this... Uh, we took this purple card with this A plot and yeah. this blue card with this B plot. And we just like, hey, write this story. Yeah. And also they all have this feeling of nostalgia. Like they are all linked thematically. Yeah, like, well, yeah they totally are. Oh, God. What, Very what different. was my childhood? Yeah. Because you really get a... Wow, you really do learn about all three of their childhoods because you learn that like Dave was a pale... Like as best says, like a pale... Were you one of those guys in high school who spent every day at the arcade hunched over the controls of a simulated spaceship with all the other pale, friendless virgins? Uh, you learned that Lisa was a high-strung, perfect, perfect achieving high school student that also smoked to, like, uh-huh. relieve her stress. And then Bill had an abusive mother who made him a mentally or maybe physically abusive mother who made him sandwiches once a month and then just left them out. Which they, like, those backstories are things that they, like, hinted at. Like, (laughs) Dave's backstory, they definitely, like, from episode one, it's clear, like, oh, you were this sad nerd. This is, like, New York is your salvation a little bit. Yeah, I like the, it's weird that Beth even has to ask, wait, were you one of those? It's like, wasn't it, isn't it obvious? (laughs) Like, look at it. Yeah. Uh, that's also kind of the weird running joke they have is Dave is always throughout the course of the show revealing new embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like, he tap dances. He also is like a knife thrower. And every time he does it, everyone is like, what? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, no, come on, look at it. You guys have been friends with him for four years yeah, you now. Know. You know. But I also feel like another one of the running jokes on news radio is none of them know Joe's last name. And every yes. single time anyone says Joe Gorelli, they're like, your last name's Gorelli? Yeah. It happens across at least three seasons with every, I think, almost every cast member doing it at some point. It also, that feels like one of those, like, Paul Sim-style jokes where the network probably didn't give a shit about it. Like yeah. Andy falling down. At the oh, God, I, want, I gotta talk about that. And <laughs> they would keep putting it in just because they loved it. Like, the yeah. same way that Beth says love happened yeah. in this episode of, yeah. like, they're doing the jumble and it's like, uh, and the answer is... And how did the mixed doubles team fare in the big match? Answer... They fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no reason for it. It's just this weird character thing. One of the things is the one of the, in that um, relationship with NBC with network section of Wikipedia. It talks about how for most for like ha- starting like halfway through season two, through all of season three, the cold opens almost always end with Matthew falling down, tripping, getting yeah. hit, stupid physical comedy, and it and most of the time it's funny because. If you know they're doing it on purpose to make the network angry, yes. it becomes even funnier because you'll notice, oh, it's happening out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, the buttons already happened, and then Matthew will walk in and just trip on something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this this one doesn't have that. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. The cold open ends with Bill, like, holding all the, like, holding a new sandwich or whatever coming, and then the cold open button is a crunch. Yeah. Him cr- biting into the sandwich for the first time, and you realize, oh, they're gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, um, the, so that's the cold open open is them getting rid of all the stuff there's a really funny business i'd never noticed until this time where uh one of the is it Catherine or someone says why don't we get rid of those boxes? no one uses what about my idea to stop buying all those boxes of paper clips no one really uses them no i do yeah dude but making necklaces and bracelets doesn't count and then andy dick does these really like he like tugs at his shirt sleeve yeah. and then also like pulls the collar up around his neck more so he can hide his paperclip jewelry. <laughs> Which we don't actually see. No. But they do that kind of like a little bit of the type of move that we see a lot more now in single cam sitcoms. Yeah. Because, oh, you can take it. You can do that like modern family style. Oh, you know what? Whatever. A person laying on the hammock. and they're, yeah. yeah. Like if this was a single cam show, the camera would have done like, it would have been like from a different, more discreet angle and would have done like a zoom in on like yes. him like fidgeting. Uh, which the fact that I've seen this episode maybe a dozen times, this is the first time I really noticed that joke yeah. is crazy. Yeah. They, it's just rewarding. Do you think that was a joke that they scripted in or that was like an Andy Dick on set? I don't know because a lot of it they did, I know they would readjust with the audience of like what would they write and especially yeah. Dave Foley would keep pitching jokes as they went. But the fact that they like did a 
they did a close up, and so much of news radio is like wides or two shots. Yeah, that they, yeah, they close up on Andy to do <laughs> that little business. It's so good. Uh, so the act one opens up with Lisa working at uh, doing the jumble with Matthew. This is basically Matthew's only scene in the entire episode. I noticed, yeah. like he. Catherine is always shortchanged. Yes, which is she has so... nothing to do in this episode, and it's like the typical. They had no idea what yeah. to do with Candy Alexander, and it's so frustrating because uh, also like, well, Joe Rogan doesn't have that much to do in this yeah. episode. At least Matthew gets a scene, um, and that jumble is like Lisa's working on the jumble, and <laughs> Matthew is doing his like way to figure out Ned. Ned, 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 Slowly figure it out. And this also becomes another running theme of Beth figuring out the jumble right away. So many of the reveals of characters are, uh, throughout the episode, or throughout the se- uh, series, are, oh, this character is a savant at blank. Right, yeah. And this yeah. is, like, Beth just can, like, unjumble all these things instantly. And I love her, like, way of thinking. is like, well, one word, one letter just speaks to me. You look at the letters, right? And then one of them goes... Pick me at first. <laughs> and then the others are like, I'm second and my friend Mr. E here is third. <laughs> I'd really rather not reveal the intricacies of my process at this point. And that I, happens a lot with a bunch of characters. Like there's like yeah. these weird things where it's like one of the few episodes they gave to Catherine was she's very good at three card Monty. Yeah. Which is also kind of like, guys, come on. It's better than that. Yeah, that's a, it's a little something. A little, a little something. More than a little stereotype. Uh, I... Beth is a Beth Vicky Lewis is such a fascinating character, and Beth like that performance and everything is so I love it so much. I love her so much. I don't understand how she was never nominated. Well, I understand why yeah. how she was never nominated for an Emmy because this show was yes habitually overlooked. And also a year after, I think, is when Desperately Susan started with the same character played by um, okay, yeah. Uh, Kathy Griffin Kathy played Griffin, yes. on Suddenly Susan played her quirky sit and there was this weird rivalry mm-hmm. because they started noticing we can talk about Beth's outfit like because that's what that's one of the main things that apparently they started custom making Vicky Lewis's wardrobe in season four yeah. because they would notice that they were literally stealing the exact outfit Beth was wearing and Kathy Griffin would be wearing it right. a couple weeks later on a Suddenly Susan episode uh, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. I would, I want to actually figure that out. Like I yeah. wanted, I don't think suddenly Susan exists anymore. I don't know where it is. Yeah. Uh, but that would be great to, I want to do side by sides. Yes. In this opening scene, Beth is wearing a like white baby doll tee, mm. a leather, like biker jacket with no sleeves, a sleeveless brown leather, and then like a floor length leopard print, tight skirt, and probably like a belly chain. Yes. And later on, she's wearing this thing, which I I don't even have the words to describe it. It basically is like, almost like it covers her shoulders, so it's like a shawl, except it also is like a halter top that only connects in front and leaves her, like, from sternum to belly button exposed, (laughs) and then a long skirt. Yeah, it, like, sweeps to the... It's like a, like, sexy Stevie Nicks kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, I love... She... As a performer, and it happens a lot in this scene with, like, what you said earlier, the way that she just says words mm-hmm. and the way the attention to detail she pays to physical mo- – I mean, she's a Broadway person. Yes. They apparently discovered her because she was on – she was in Damn Yankees, and they were like, oh, her. Uh, and there's such a theatric – like, theatricality conjures up uh, overacting. Yeah. It's not that. She has very deliberate and graceful and weird movements – there's a scene later on after Dave has been tempted by the arcade machine and is resisting to go in. Beth just walks into his office with holding two hands out with quarters. And she doesn't just walk straight to the desk and plop them down. She, like, does a weird, like... As if she were wafting meat in yeah, front of a hungry dog. In front of his face. And then she, like, goes and just, like, p- drops them on his desk slowly. There's so much stuff like that with her, with the way she walks and jumps. There's a bit of business in the act one while Lisa's trying to work the jumble and can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. In the background, her and Matthew are just like doing weird hand motion. Like, yes. 
They and were doing like this, like kid style, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, can you roll your tongue? Can you pat your yeah. head and rub your tummy? And their interaction right there, the way that she just jumps up and down a lot. Yeah. It's such a, like, uh, that's how real people move. So I want to break that apart into two pieces because there's yeah. two big things. Like, one is that physicality you see in almost all of them, which is why I was, like, this watch I was really looking at, oh, yeah, they keep to, they keep to medium shots and wides. Yeah, they do, yeah. Almost entirely. Yeah. And this sh- there's a shot earlier on, before the quarters thing, when she displays the... Galaxy Defender? What was Stargate it? Defender. Stargate yeah. Defender. Not Galaxy. No, not Galaga, no. 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 Um, <laughs> where she shows that, where Dave just pulls up against the wall yeah. a little bit, and she, like, leans into ma- the machine yeah. as if she's, like, leaning against it. Like, it's a, you know, powerful sultan or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, she does so much weird... Because, uh, like, right there, like, she's not just leaning on it, like... Isn't she doing like a kind of like a full body yes. like tilt kind of yeah. thing? And it's all like weird subtle shit. And yeah. the way that they basically they go up, uh, they learn like Bill comes running through the office holding like the mm-hmm. Oh no, okay, there's some there's shows I need to unpack this to get into this. One of the things I think is key to news radio is the pacing is insane to the point where earlier we couldn't really figure out what the A, B, and C plot is, yeah. and that is because the way news radio is written is those plots are fighting for attention. Yes. Uh, the characters themselves are very fast-paced and bickering and, like, always, you know, trying to, like, one-up each other. And on a meta level, the show is also doing that. Yes. Because we start off with that scene of Lisa and Matthew and Beth doing the jumble. She then goes into Dave's office. They have a longer talk about how she thinks she's getting, you know, dumber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dave, like, offhanding is like, you should take your SATs again. That scene is interrupted by Bill running in with the sandwiches to be like, they're taking it away. Then they all move out to the same. So that's... We've already, now we've yes. covered two plots. We go out there. The sandwich machine is then moved away to reveal Stargate Defender, mm-hmm. the third plot. And that's all ostensibly like one scene. It's yes. one unbroken thing. And you're watching characters literally run in to be like, hey, it's my turn for the plot now. Come yeah. with me. Bye. Which brings up the other thing that with that quarter thing, especially that became apparent, is how much the characters push each other into their plots. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's, it's Beth, you know, putting the quarters. It's Dave saying, maybe you should take the SAT. Like, yeah. they're like, they're really shoving each other on each other's heels to yeah. like make them do these things. Well, it's even, uh, the reason that Dave even gets involved is because like, he's like, well, I've taken the extension cord, so it's not working. And then J- Mr. James comes in yeah. and like grabs the extension cord. And Dave like has to kind of intervene and be like, D- are you sure? Like, Save the humanoids. You got any? Uh, you got any tips for me? <clears throat> yes. Save the humanoids. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine if they're, you know, your parents or whatever. So, like, you see, that is both of them pushing each other yeah. into doing other things. It's very fascinating. <laughs> um, and yeah, that speed it makes it very clear why they fired Ray Romano. Oh God, right? yeah. Like, because he was the original Joe. Yes. And then they fired him, like, after dressing. So in the pilot, there is a fake Joe and also a fake Catherine yeah. who doesn't say anything. Which is not that Which much is, more yeah. than they gave to uh, Candy. I, ha- I downloaded the pilot script, and Catherine actually does have a lot of lines in yeah. it, at, like, towards the end or whatever. But I don't know if they recorded them and then cut them once they realized they were recasting right. her. So I wonder if there's footage of Ella Joyce, the original Catherine, yeah. saying anything. Uh, there's also this great line um, <laughs> when Beth comes in to like, ha- like, here, can you sign this? No, it's not. Here, can you sign this day? Sure. There. Hey, I didn't just sign for a stolen Jeep, did I, Radar? <laughs> Dave, I don't watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> this is also, it's so reference heavy. Yeah. Because in that one scene, they reference MASH. She responds with a Star Trek reference. She's like, I don't watch Star Trek, which yep. is such a great, like, second iteration, like, second laugh off that. And then right after that, uh, Dave and Lisa make a Flowers for Algernon reference. <laughs> yeah. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's very, very reference heavy. Again, like, closer to what, like, a single cam sitcom would do. This goes to my whole thing of most of these single cam shows could be multicam shows if those writers and creators were interested in doing that format. I feel like the reason the multicam structures and the uh, the multicam structure flounders in the year of our Lord 2017 Mm -hmm. is because all the people that want to make these shows are, you know, following, like, doing single cam. Yeah. Where God, like, I, what I would not give to see a Michael Schur 
multicam show, like a Parks and Rec multi, yeah. like that would work. That's a whole other side tangent. And it, ta- <laughs> it takes that much more work of than interacting with the audience, which they yeah. can do so much of continually rewriting as they win. Which I think, I, I feel like that makes it so much, oh, I just love that. I yeah. love, but also, like, you can watch news radio, and when you really start thinking about what they're doing, you realize this was a hard show to make, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, because everything is so fast-paced and so interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um there's also, uh, I, I wanted to point out that this episode is also really good at showing how Dave and Lisa can be funny. Yeah. Like, they are not, another main problem I have a lot of modern sitcoms, multicam shows, is all of the punchlines are interchangeable. Everyone yes. has the exact same level of witty. Everyone has the exact same point yeah. of view. They can all interchange. And News Radio is a show where, like, there aren't any jokesters. Yeah. There isn't a Chandler... Like, Dave might be the closest to... Like, Dave makes purposeful, like, witty remarks. Lisa doesn't do that. Beth doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're still funny in some way. And this this episode is really good at showing how Lisa and Dave, the most straight person (laughs) of the entire cast, are funny. Yes. Like, because it really is getting at their insecurities. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I love that Dave's offhanded, like, oh, of course, you should do this stock sitcom plot of going and retaking your SATs. Isn't that preposterous? And Lisa's like, yes, I should do that. So one of the things I I (laughs) just had to look up on my phone, which I realized. So when did this air? This is a 1996. Okay. There's an episode of The Simpsons called Lisa the Simpson, where Lisa... Simpson fears that she's losing her intelligence because she can't figure out a number jumble on the back of a a box. And so she also fears she's getting stupider and losing her perspicacity is one of the lines. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so I was curious to see which one was first. Oh, man. Uh, I also remembered that that earlier scene ends with, like you said, cereal. there was a cereal box runner. Because, mm-hmm. like, Dave is, like, looking at Stargate Defender, and Lisa then walks back in. Yes. The pl- like, this She's holding a bottle of, uh, a box a box of, of Quisp. Of yeah. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that is. I love this stretch of scene starts with Lisa doing the jumble, cycles through all the other plots, and then comes back to yeah. Lisa. And then we get this really great, very, very classic news radio style of a character standing stationary, and members of the rest of the cast, like, buzzing by them, yeah. lobbing off, like, jokes, where they're noticing the other things that are different in the side-by-side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only find well, two. Well, the dog's hat is tilted the other way. Yes, well, duh. And there are two frogs in this one. Got that. Cowboy's boots are bigger. <laughs> Balloons are missing. Balloons hadn't been invented yet back in cowboy times. <laughs> Line by line, I think every line contained a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it is so dense. Yeah. I wanted to bring up Mr. We have to talk about Mr. James. Yeah. Because I love Stephen Root so much. He's used very little in this episode. He's only used for, like, one yeah. scene. But his performance, even in this, is so good. He's one of those... He he and John Goodman, anytime you see them in anything, you're like, this is gonna be good. Oh, yeah. Whatever the rest of this is, this is gonna be good. Stephen Root, when he popped up in Get Out, I was like, of course he's in this. Oh, great. Fantastic. This is great. (laughs) And this has a great Jimmy James thing, which they do with Dave a lot, too, of the... You are both an adult and a child. Oh, yeah. Because it comes in. He's like, Dave, let me play. Uh, please, sir. No, oh, no video come on, games. Dave, let me hours, play. No. Please, got to play. Want to play. Got to play. I wrote down Mr. James colon baby. Yeah. And he's like bleeding to get this extension cord from Dave so that he can play it. And then as soon as he gets it, Dave is like, don't do it. Don't do it. He instantly just, like, turns into an adult. He yeah. does that It's Always Sunny thing where it's like, great, I played my game. Now I need to stop, yeah. oh, react yeah. to you, and go like, Dave, what's going on? Is everything okay? <laughs> and he becomes the boss again. He gets a really great moment when, uh, after, like, end of night one, <clears throat> or just day yeah. one, at the at night of day one. <laughs> That's a weird way to say that. Uh, Dave is leaving for the night, and he notices Mr. James is still at the machine pumping in quarters, and he's, like, having a mental breakdown. The way... Also, the way he is still wearing his full suit, except his well, his tie is like his loosened. tie's undone. He's untucked his shirt. He's untucked his shirt, and then he's pushed his suit, his yes. jacket sleeves up. Not, not the, his shirt, not sleeves. the shirt sleeves. Yeah, and he also just hasn't just taken off his jacket. No, not at all. He it's, didn't unbutton his shirt. Even. It's really it was weird. Just uh, yeah, it's really weird. Uh, but then he starts blubbering about like, all well, them humanoids getting beamed into outer space. 
my mom, my dad, my brother. There's nothing I can do, Dave. They're all gone. Which is a great another uh, example of him playing this like weird baby adult person. Yes. <laughs> the Bill's mother subplot. They keep hinting throughout the series yeah. of Bill's terrible upbringing. Like, there's an episode where Bill and Matthew, like, get into a fight where it finally goes too far, and Matthew, like, yeah. hits it. Yeah. Or he hits Matthew, and Matthew hits him. Um, and they, like, talk about Bill's upbringing, and it's just this constant, like, Ra- Anne Randian style, like, survival of the yeah. fittest. <laughs> he and his brother just mercilessly tearing each other apart. Being raised almost like wolves in this, yeah. you must please us. <laughs> and this, the I, the the background in this one is uh, when Bill brings up leaving boxes of of sandwiches out for him on the front on the porch. porch. God, like is he chained up out there? <laughs> uh, there's a really great line at some point. I guess this might also be right before the Jimmy Dave exchange. It's also crazy how so much of this all happens. It's all so much. There's an exchange between Bill and Catherine when Catherine's leaving for work. And Bill comes up with all the sandwiches, and he's, like, wanting to ride down with her. And she says, like, You take the stairs. I don't want to risk getting stuck between floors with those things. Then we'd have nourishment. I'd eat my arm off first. That, to me, like, Catherine, that is how Catherine is funny. Yes. There is this, and I wish they used it more, and I wish she was in this episode more. But, like, that one line and the way she delivers it is, like, that's her. Like, that's what I love about her. She, like closes her eyes a little bit like she just gets so like searing angry like, just like so they had three people that would be that like straight man or voice of reason to bill and it yeah. was mostly dave lisa would do it sometimes and then it would be Catherine. the problem is dave had two sides of his character yeah it was that it's always sunny thing where it's like he could be that voice of reason but then he could also be dave the kind of like super like nerdy, nerdy goofy dude. Lisa could be her, like, type A, overly, like, I'm trying so hard to show you. I know so much more than everybody else here. And then she would respond to Bill and be able to shut him down. They only ever gave Catherine that one side. Yeah. And there's so, there are hints of, like, what they could have done with her. Because they're, which I guess they never picked up on. There's a weird prank aspect to her character that comes up a couple times especially in her last episode where she like tells joe like come by my apartment and you think that oh joe and they're finally going to hook up and then at her going away dinner she's like oh nothing i only wish i could see what's going on in my apartment right now and then you cut to and it's like joe naked and bill coming over because she's done the same thing to both of them and I mean, there's even that really great plot line, and maybe even season one, where she's, like, desperate to find out Bill's, uh, is it his age or his middle name? His, his age. age? Yeah. Or his birthday, because he's That's always it. saying her birthday on the air. Yeah. They, there's, like, that, like, make her, there was never an episode where, like, one of her, like, vendettas or pranks, or even the fact that she just slaps everyone yeah. all the time. Like, goes too far. Exactly. Because then they're, oh, then that's a character. That's a thing you can do. Because she does have... That's a funny thing. Like, she's very classy and dignified. There's a really strong dignity and confidence to her character. But she has like, that news anchor <clears throat> aspect. She yeah. holds herself like that. You know what to do in front of a microphone. Right. And then to undercut that with also, like, she fucking suffers no fools and will, like, expose your dark secrets yeah. or <laughs> prank you in, like, weird ways. <laughs> like, that's a fun thing they could have done. And... The way that she, like, sells the stuff they give her when they give her, that is so good, and I wish they had. Yeah. Uh, because I will say, like, I just finished rewatching season four, the show does lose something when she leaves, and I didn't think that was true the first couple times I rewatched it, but this most recent time, having that third straight person in the show anchors it more. Yeah. Uh, even, even, if she, even if her only role is to be the straight person most of the time... Having her there, having that extra body there, it helps fill it out. There's a weird hollowness to, like, the second half of season four when she's not there, which is weird considering how little they give her to do. Uh, She and Dave are generally the only characters who pause before responding. Yeah. Everybody else on it is very much kind of like, Andy's going to do something physical, even if it's silent. Yeah. But, like... 
in this episode, there's a great long pause where Beth asks Dave something, and he just like, oh, were you one of those pale virgins? I think yeah. it might have been that one. And he just doesn't respond for a good eight seconds. Yeah. And just, like, messes with his suit a little bit, and then says no. Or... That's, I listened to the uh, commentary before, and they also point that out, that thing about pauses. Uh, basically, Bill's uh, trump card to, like, get that sandwich machine back is Dave comes back after taking the SATs, and Bill's there with, like, a woodsman's hat on, like a floppy, like, ear hat, yeah. and, like, a coat. And he's like, well, I went through my rations, and, like, last night at 1240-something, something strange started happening to my body. And he takes off his hat, and his hair is gray. Yeah. And Dave's immediate response is, you didn't, did you? You actually dyed your hair gray to convince me to bring back the sandwich machine? Yes, I did! <laughs> now do you understand how important this is to me? Only if you dyed all your hair gray to match. I did! <laughs> Which they said in the commentary was written in the script with a beat before it. Yeah. Uh, but they were like, when he did it, he just ignored that beat and yeah. just said it immediately, which was funnier. Just be like, there's, they didn't even like live in the artifice of Bill was trying to pull one over on Dave. He's gonna be like, yes, I did. You, well, the only way you would uh, convince me is if you dyed all your hair gray. Yes, I did. Like, there was no yeah. break. Because Bill's character is confident at all times. Yeah. And he never should take that beat of, no. let me readjust. <laughs> it's, Oh, we both know what's happening here. Yeah. You know the depths and the lengths I will go for anything. <laughs> I've shown it to you. That that also is such a funny, very news radio style of they will go so far, but it's never fantasy. They will address yeah. at all times how insane it is. Like when Jimmy James runs for president. <laughs> yeah. That's an insane plot. Yeah. <laughs> and at every second they're like, are you? This is crazy. You're running for president. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love it so much. I wanted to bring up um, the hotness of this show. <laughs> okay. This is going to get into weird territory, maybe. No. Um, but I've had a crush on Phil Hartman, like, this is middle school, obviously. Uh, did you all, Did you also have similar middle school, high school romantic leanings on who? Uh, Mauritania. Yeah, because I feel like this could be... It's like a uh, Rorschach test or something. Yes. Like, what kind of man or what kind of person are you? Are you a Catherine, a Beth, or a Lisa? Yeah. And yeah oh, yeah. Absolutely, like, smart, confident brunette, like, 100%. Loves NPR. Loves watching C-SPAN. Yes. I love the episode where Dave finally convinced her to get a TV because they have C-SPAN. Yeah. And it's both of them watching. He's watching Green Acres on, in the store, and she's watching. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Uh, but yeah, like as a kid, I had such a huge crush on Phil Hartman. I remember going to see like House Guest and um, oh, Jingle All the Way, which uh -huh. he's also in, and being like, oh, there's that guy. Yeah, I like looking at his face for reasons I don't understand. Right. <laughs> like, uh, and there's also different variations of Bill because there is this episode is uh, side part no glasses. Yeah, there's also my prime for me is side part with glasses. Sure. Uh, give me that. Then there's also like slick back, no glasses. Yeah. Don't like no that. Good. And then like in season four, he gets this dry slick, this dry just back or like dry like poofy up. Like kind almost, of. okay. It's just like you just like take a hair dryer and your comb, just go back, 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 and just like your hair is just right. standing up and it's dry and red for some reason. Least good. Sure. Uh, so yeah, that was my very important comment about the hotness yeah. of Phil Hartman. <laughs> um, always just wears like black or gray. Yeah, she's it's, wearing like a she's is she wearing like a black short sleeve turtleneck? Yes, and it's, like yeah. it goes well above her neck and it's short sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> she's very sensible cardigans. Yes, uh, didn't they also make her wear? Was it in the first season where they talk about? Did they make her wear like? push-up bras yeah, and they, stuff? Yeah, I, I listened to some of them in season one commentary, and they're like, our costume designer in season one was obsessed with everyone's chests. Yeah. Because Dave would have to wear, like, padded shirts. Like, she was, like, trying to get everyone to wear padded shirts, <laughs> which is ludicrous. Uh, I mean, because also, like, in the 90s, all their suits are too big. Like, yes. just period. Just flat. Dave like, looks like a, a, a step away from... David Burden. It's yeah. not making sense. Yeah, like, it's too big of a that? suit. And that's the thing, like, a lot of uh, Bill's suits are ginormous. Yeah. Jimmy James is always wearing double-breasted yeah. shirt, double-breasted jackets that are always open, which just makes them even, like, bigger looking. Yes, exactly. Because if they were buttoned, it would be like, oh, it's, like, streamlined, nice lines. It's open, just 
flapping around this extra these giant, power. Yeah, wings essentially. <clears throat> uh, and then I, um, Catherine. We were talking about how, like, she is very presentable. I, I didn't really know what she was wearing in this episode. But in general, she is wearing, like, basically a bra and a miniskirt and, like, a jacket over it in yes. most episodes. Yeah. They're, like, I mean, I'm, I don't even know if straight men know more about women's fashion or whatever. I don't. I guess gay men probably wouldn't know more than straight men about women's fashion. Most of the time, she's wearing shirts that look like bras. Yes. Like, yeah. they're, like, lacy and they're just, like, up. They are showing everything. Yeah. And they're just, like, lacy things. And they just look like underwear. I think I saw her on, was it NCIS? She was a regular on CSI Miami for like five years. That's so right. I saw like things. one episode and she was wearing almost the same thing. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh good, that hasn't changed. <laughs> Catherine goes to become a CSI. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny that it also never, I guess, I, it also never feels sexualized with her because yeah. that's just, she's so confident. Yeah. And like... She was always my fan casting for Storm growing up. Sure. Because she looks like... I mean, this is a deep cut. Uh, she looks like a Dave Cockrum drawing come to life. Yeah. The exact way that Dave Cockrum drew, drew Storm. Because a lot of time in the first two seasons, she had she has like a widow's peak mm-hmm. for her hairline. And she would always like put it back, like put her hair back with like a bandana, like a hair band yeah. or something. Which like that's Storm had a tiara and that same widow's peak. And I'm like, she just looks... And she also has very high cheekbones mm-hmm. and like a very like... Yeah. Just looks and like she fun. holds herself with that news anchor style, <clears throat> yeah. which then also works in that storm regal style. And uh, then we got Halle Berry. So yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about the high school that they go to. Which so you what mentioned wasn't... like talking about things that date this, right? Yeah. That's important. Okay, that is. The... First off, whenever they go offset, that dates it so much to yeah. the nineties, and this one especially. It's like it's right out of the Warriors. Yeah. What was did any school? look like that. They go into a school that is just like a locker room common area uh, and every square inch of the entire school is covered in graffiti. Yes. Maybe even the ceilings and floor. Like, yep. it is next level bananas. I have no idea what New York City public schools looked like back then. Yeah. I've worked in them a lot now <laughs> and obviously they're nowhere close <laughs> to that. Um I they can- smoke indoors? That's another thing, yeah. <laughs> Lisa goes off to the side, and she's, like, re- like studying vocab, and she's just smoking smoking with, uh, what's her name? Lily Sobieski yeah. in one of her first roles. Okay. I looked this up. She retired from acting a couple years ago. Oh, okay. To focus on being a mother. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> seeing her in this was one of those, like, oh, wait, I know that face yeah. type things. Lily Sobieski. Uh, but, yeah, they're just sitting there smoking indoors in this, like... Very 70s high school. The high school also makes it clear their background actors in news radio are almost always terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of the, like, kids in this are old men who just had long hair. Yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. And if you watch when they're p- pushing away the sandwich vending machine, two of the guys, who I'm guessing have maybe never done a manual labor job, just <laughs> keep, like, pushing up against the vending machine before they need to move it anywhere. Yeah. And they're just like, I need something to do. So rather than just stand there and exist, they keep, like... Pushing a non-moving <laughs> vending machine as if they're getting ready to move it. That's, uh, one of those guys is Eugene Jarvis, the creator of, they, this is how he's right. credited in the, in the end credits, which is Eugene Jarvis, creator of Defender, Stargate Defender, and Robotron 2084, delivery guy number three. Right. Which is another funny thing that news radio, the subtle tiny things they did to fuck with the form is like they named it, that's how they credited him in the end credits. Yeah. Which they should, should have been, Eugene Jarvis. Yeah. But they somehow were like, no, get all this in so everyone knows. And it's a weird Easter egg. Yeah. They also did the same thing a couple episodes before in the season three premiere when Matthew becomes obsessed with Dilbert. Dilbert yeah, and Scott Adams. And Scott Adams is in it. And that his he's credited at the end of like Scott Adams, creator of Dilbert as yeah. Scott Adams. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Have you followed the recent Scott Adams stuff? That made me very like, I don't want to. Yeah. It's, Yikes! It's levels of insane. He's uh, very. He might not right. He's yeah. Very into like the game style stuff, which I remember when I was a kid. He's super I was, buff. Yeah, I was very into like also like I was also very into Dilbert because that was new. Yeah, and I remember reading some of his books, and they were all like borderline crazy. Of like, oh, this sweet. is my version of quantum <laughs> physics. 
is literally in one of my books. This is my version of, this was pre The Secret, but it was like, this is my version of The Secret. This is how I became that. So it, it's not at all surprising that he went that crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, there's another weird bit where um, that shows how data this is, is Lisa later calls for their test results. Yes. Like, there's not even, there's not an internet. Yeah. All of them are working on laptops that are super tiny. And they're that weird, like, tiny, thin tiny, where the screen itself is, like, the size of, like, four Game Boy screens. Yeah. And it has to, like, flip up in this massive, like, padded thing. Yeah, it's, it's super... Uh, which is also weird to think about, how did they do this? How did they work in news radio before internet and stuff? It's yeah. such a... But also, they make it very clear that this show is not representative yes. of an actual job, or any of them... Doing anything? Does anything in this episode pertain to the actual job? No. no. All, at no point, the anchors are always the other anchors who we never see. Yeah. In the background, on air, are always those. So with the SAT thing, they made it so that the SAT they take, it, they say, oh, there's a prep class taking an SAT yeah. in a high school, which uh, I, ta- I <laughs> teach test prep and yeah. I tutor test prep, and I've taken... I've both, like, written tests for the company that I work for, and because of that, I take the SAT, the real SAT, a bunch. Oh, wow. And I think it's weird that they didn't just say, we're going to take the SAT. They made it a test prep course. Anybody can sign up for the SAT. I've taken the SAT as an adult <laughs> male. And it is weird. Like, people respond. <laughs> you go into high schools? I go into high schools. Wow. And it'll be me and a bunch, of like, high, uh, a bunch of high schoolers. A friend of mine who also does it, when he took, one of the times he took the test, the proctor, when they, like, took his ID and everything, they looked at him and they said, we're very proud of you. Like, as being an adult going back and, like, taking this SAT. Uh, you finally made it. Yeah. But when I take it, yeah, they don't really bat an eye. Because anybody can take it. Every once in a while you'll read a, a blog post or a story of, like, a journalist is like, I'm going to take the SAT and see how I would do now. Oh, God. It's, I never took it. I took the ACT. ACT, yeah. ACT. Is that a southern thing? Uh, it's It was mostly Midwest, and the SAT was the coasts. And then about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, all colleges started accepting both. And so as that happened, yeah. because the ACT had the reputation of being the nicer Midwest test, people <laughs> gradually took that more. So now what's happened is because people, uh, I think three or four years ago, more people took the ACT than the SAT oh, for the first time ever. Good. So I can finally say that I got a 34 English and people will know what it means. And even more so than the SAT, because of that, decided, oh, we need to rechange our test. And the SAT is now essentially the ACT. They just mimicked the ACT. I think the scoring is a little bit different, but it's almost. Because I still the same. like, I still, because I never took the SAT, I still have no idea about SAT scores and what yeah. is good and what is bad, which means that I've missed out on a considerable number of jokes because sure. that is a go-to joke or a plot point or and a character one, trait all the time. And this one, Lisa says, oh, I got an 800, which yeah. she needs to say what she got an 800. At the time, it was you would get an 800 either in reading. You had uh, 200 to 800 in reading yeah. and a 200 to 800 in math. The median score or the mean score was a 500. So 50% of people got below okay. 500, 50% above. For the ACT, the median, the mean score was 18. Oh, right? And so... I got a 21 in science reasoning. That's what tanked my overall... That's what everybody tanks on the ACT. science reasoning was hard. But I got a 34 in English, and that made me... I got to clip out of, I think, all English in college. That's I probably the equivalent through. of like a 750 on the SAT. Yes, I feel good. Uh, I also got a 6 on the AP writing test. So, I don't know. That's very good. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. I think it's yeah. all scalable yeah. to six. I feel proud about that. Also, because, like, news radio, I um, I took the prompt they gave us, and I just made fun of it. <laughs> it was like, should should children be forced to also work as janitors in the school or something? And I was like, this prompt is stupid. So yeah. then I just made fun of it and created concocted a parallel story about a janitor who lost his job right. because the kids now did it and about how his Christmas was ruined and stuff. Which I guess maybe if you're looking for creative writing, that's what you're looking yeah. for is not take whatever. That's a tangent. Maybe I should move on to some trivia. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So this episode, when it aired, was watched by 10.8 million people. That's, for the time, nothing. Nothing. For now, that those are insane numbers. That's huge. Yeah. That's a running thing that on the show is like every one of these, because this is the 90s, like at yeah, 10.8 million viewers, it was ranked number 60 for the week. I remember reading, I would like, uh, my senior year we lived in Virginia, and the Washington Post would print all the oh, Nielsen yeah. ratings down to 60, and I would find my favorite shows, and I remember finding lower. news radio way, way down there every... If it ever got into yep. the top 60. Yeah. Uh, so also, um, where did I... Oh yeah, so the top shows of that week, the World Series was that week, so okay. the top four shows are just World Series games, yeah. and also the number nine Normally, just do the top five, but since the top four are World Series, I'll go even further. An ER rerun was the fifth. So an ER rerun was the most watched scripted show yeah. that week. Then followed by Touched by an Angel at six, and uh, 60 Minutes at seven. I'm discovering that 60 Minutes was a huge hit. Yeah. Because it's all, from the 80s to the 90s, it's always in the top five. I have no idea. In the same way that... People don't always realize one of the most watched season finales ever, or series finales ever, is the JAG series finale. What? Because it's, everyone, everyone loved JAG. I guess. <laughs> and it, like, it kind of ended right as that era was ending. Yeah. But it was like, it was CBS's temple for a long time, and somehow it just stayed around <laughs> long enough. It's, I think it's in, like, maybe the top 10 or top 20 of series finales. That's insane. Finales. Um, uh, Frasier came in at 8, and then home, and then a World Series at 9, and Home Improvement at 10. So, yeah, that's the, um, that's the uh, era that News Radio existed in. No wonder it didn't find an audience. Yeah. That Touched by, the, Touched by an Angel Home Improvement crowd ain't gonna understand what to do with no. this weird show. Uh, there was also a lot of reruns that week. Seinfeld was replaced by Frasier that week because it was off, and Friends was a rerun, which is why they weren't in the top. Gotcha. Um, IMDb users, 80 users voted and rated this episode an 8.3 out of 10. Would you say that's good? Like what you would say, higher or lower? I would say higher. Yeah. Watching this, it, I never felt like I was laughing due to nostalgia. Oh, no. Yeah. It was, it was like, these are very funny. This is very well written. All the jokes are funny. I would go like nine, I would go nine point three. Yeah, I would go I agree. a whole point higher than that. Um, as I mentioned, Eugene Jarvis, the game designer who created the real grain defender, plays a delivery guy. Uh, apparently, the point of the episode, according, according to Lewis Morton, who was a staff writer on the show, but he didn't write this episode. The reason they wrote this episode was because they wanted to fly Eugene Jarvis out. To just be in the episode. <laughs> uh, Apparently he was also a millionaire, but his only luggage was an old brown paper bag. Of course. All of those, like, old Atari <laughs> guys are so weird. Uh, yeah. Is Jarvis from Iron Man named after him, or is that at all related, no, uh, or is that just one of those many... Jarvis is from the 60s. Okay. Uh, and they just... Is it an acronym? Is it one of those, like, <clears throat> Modoc Well, style? Evelyn Jarvis was originally just the Avengers butler, and right. then when they did Iron Man, they were like, well, it'd be weird to have him have a butler, so just make that an gotcha. AI. And then they retroactively, like, make just a really very intelligent system. Okay. Is the acronym wow. they came up with it. Ugh. Um uh, and then apparently, um, it's also based on because the writer Lewis Martin bought a whole bunch of arcade cabinets, um, including the Robotron 2084, which Jarvis, uh, Eugene uh-huh. Jarvis made. And then they also put them in an office on like the building they were using. Uh-huh. And so they had like a mini arcade. And the it, game in the episode is from that arcade. I was wondering what, so it's so badly 
just taped over. Yeah, like, they tape. didn't repaint the case no. at all. They didn't make a new case, which any, like, theater set designer could have done. Like, Easily. a high schooler could have done yeah. in, in half a day. Instead, they would just apply yellow tape to yellow random red tape. spots. I guess, yeah. like, not... Well, this is, this is DVD quality. I guess, like, old tube TV quality... Maybe you couldn't tell as much, sure. like fuzzy grain. I've been um, rewatching Star, the the original Star Trek, and oh. watching that in like high def or whatever, it becomes so very clear Isn't when they would great? switch to the body doubles for yeah. fights because they often looked nothing. Like, I love that. Yeah. I have the Batman sixty six Blu ray set. And that's the exact same thing where you can just tell, oh, they are in just a black room with some boxes in it. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. so great. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, so who would you say, out of everyone in this episode, had the must-see performance? Was the episode's MVP, this, the performance you got to see from this specific episode? Um, I think Dave. Yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard to decide. It's very tough because they all, I mean, yeah, Phil Hartman's great in this. Uh, is great. Like, everybody's very good. Joe is not very good in this. Like, he's never a great actor, but I think, like, his one scene where he's, like, holding a cup and saying how he made the sandwich, yeah. he has no idea what to do. It felt yeah, yeah. very not his character <laughs> and him, just Joe Rogan explaining lines. Yeah, he didn't have anything to do in this episode. Uh, I will say, see, I want to say Beth or Dave. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, I'll go with Beth because you said Dave. Sure. Because Beth... Doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, but again, like, if you watch this episode, I want you to watch what she does, because it's so subtle and weird, and so many just good choices that mm-hmm. help flesh out a character. Uh, she just lives in that body, like, that character so thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, and also, I just, I love her style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you say that must other people see this episode? Yes, absolutely. This also is mm-hmm. one of those episodes that if you wanted to jump into news radio i think this is a pretty good episode to do it yeah you're not getting the full um you might be like well why who is andy dick candy alexander and joe rogan playing like who are those people but eh, doesn't matter like everything else is so great uh and you get enough of them like matthew's scene at the very beginning is very funny yeah with him and beth um doing weird hand gestures at each other uh yeah everyone should watch this episode i feel i would say this is one of the quintessential news radio episodes that everyone should see. Uh, all of season three in general is yeah. pretty flawless. Yeah, it's just hit after hit. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming out and uh, talking about news radio. You're the first of, I'm sure, many people that are going to be talking about news radio, apparently. Because <laughs> well, people, uh, love, people love this show, and it's, um, it's not talked about. It isn't, and enough. I think it was... For like a certain gen- generation of comedy writer, it like we we've we've both talked about this how yeah. it's hard f- to write a sitcom and not ape this now. Yeah, like I anytime I write a sitcom, it becomes I think in that same way. I just want to give each character a very clear game, yeah. and then I can just have them interact in the way that like as soon as Lisa and Matthew meet at the very beginning, Lisa's like being a parent to Matthew. Like, yeah. Oh, let's do the jumble. Yeah. And because you know, the characters, they just know how to pair each piece together. So yeah. quickly. It's really great. It's, it's one of the best examples of an ensemble I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I think the friends ensemble is also like fantastic. I'd say the news radio ensemble is like right up there with it. Uh, there are no weak links. The weakest thing is the writers not knowing what to do with Catherine. Yes. <laughs> Which is sad. Um, and then... And is very true of that time and of like, oh, a lot of these writers are probably white guys from Harvard. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah, but thank you so much for coming yeah, out. No problem. Thanks for having me. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Curtis Rutherford, for dropping by and talking about news radio with me. Next week, I'll still be keeping it in the must-see TV NBC family because I'm talking about the Frasier episode, The Innkeepers. The Innkeepers is in Season 2. It is Episode 23 of Frasier. You can stream Frasier anywhere. You got Netflix. You got Amazon Prime. If you got Hulu. If you got DVDs from the late 90s, early 2000s, you have Frasier. If you want to pay for it and give Kelsey Grammer and Jane Leaves and John Mahoney and David High Pierce and Perry Gilpin and the descendants of Moose the Dog your money, you can buy it in iTunes. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at Must Have Seen TV. 
If you like what you've heard, please, 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 please rate and review Must Have Seen TV in iTunes. I want to do some awesome stuff with your reviews. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. You can read my words at Decider.com. You can check out my sitcom t-shirts and stickers at tpublic.com slash user slash Brett White. I actually have a news radio design up, which is called The Real Deal with Bill McNeil. It features Phil Hartman's Bill McNeil wearing a red Speedo, holding his cane on the beach, and it says, The sun, the fun, the sea, the sand, my Speedos, which is a legitimate quote from news radio. Bill McNeil is a canonical speedo wearer the theme song for the podcast is patricia's moving picture by the go team thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast thanks to you for listening and i'll see you all next week on must have seen tv planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.